Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hey, good morning, everybody. Keith over here, broadcasting live from our studios in Pensacola. And uh, I'm joined both in studio and across the, uh, oh, I guess the Wi-Fi waves is what we'll call them today. But uh, uh, through our computer, um, we've got some international guests and... Uh, we have another uh, guest in uh, Virginia, it looks like, but I'm going to let them go around the horn and introduce themselves. So, uh, Jennifer, by all means, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Kate. I'm really happy to be on the show today, speaking here from Munich in Germany. I'm a professional magician, started doing magic when I was four years old, and while studying every field of magic, from card magic to manipulation to big illusions, I came across mentalism and hypnosis and decided to discover even more how our mind works, how our brain creates our reality. So all of that got me into the position to become a coach of magic and mindset and helping people to develop the magician's mindset so that they can learn for their businesses what they can learn from magicians, the way of thinking and making the impossible possible. Because for the magician, it's just another day at the office, making the impossible possible and just finding new perspectives to solve different problems. And it's really interesting. I also teach them what they can learn from Harry Houdini, the great artist, uh, escape artist. So really interesting approach for uh, business owners. Yeah, I think you're the uh, I think you're the first magician I've ever known to actually apply it to the life coaching uh, slash business consulting side of things. So it's very unique and very cool. Uh, uh, I'm very excited to hear more about it as we uh, get going. So thank you very much for being here today. Thanks. So, Paul, that would be uh, all you, sir. Okay, I'm Paul Moore, and I'm from Wellings Capital. I um, started out with an engineering degree, then got an MBA, and uh, went to Ford Motor Company headquarters in Detroit, where I loved Ford, but I got bored pretty quickly. I got bored at Ford and uh, realized I needed to be an entrepreneur. So I started a company with a partner, and we sold that five years later to a uh, publicly traded firm, and then I got into real estate investing. This was in the... Uh, toward the end of the 90s. And I've been doing that ever since. I've done all types of things, including flipping houses, flipping high-end waterfront lots, built uh, a subdivision, built seven or eight homes, which is a big mistake for a guy who doesn't know how to tighten the doorknob on my own home and uh, lost money doing that. But uh, then got into commercial multifamily uh, and never looked back. So I've been a commercial multifamily syndicator, apartment developer, if you will, for the last five or six years. And what I found was that multifamily is, I, I wrote a book on multifamily. It's called The Perfect, Inv excuse me, The Perfect Investment, not an arrogant title at all. And um, what we found is that multifamily has caught fire and all over the world, people are investing in the US in apartments. And so we found that it's overheated. So what we've done Wellings Capital has established two funds to allow people to invest in all types of commercial real estate in the U.S., including self-storage, apartments, and mobile home parks principally. And so um, my Wellings Capital uh, website has all the information about those two different funds. Very cool. So you went from engineering firm to real estate investor, which is 
that's two totally opposite sides of the spectrum, I would think, in uh, in in the world of of the way the brain works. But uh, very yeah. cool, and and you've been very successful at it. So congratulations, and again, thanks for being here. You bet. Thank you. Hey, Keith, uh, Robert Preston. Thanks first for having me on the show and Business Radio X as well. Um, so my story is actually kind of similar to Paul's, uh, with the exception that I started out in the uh, Marine Corps as a, as a pilot, still currently serving active duty there, flying that. Um, ventured into the real estate market uh, uh, about 2012, 2013, started flipping houses, progressed into the commercial real estate side, and actually have syndicated a couple deals, uh, both multifamily uh, apartments and uh and mobile home parks, and through that process, uh, ended up buying a property that is now a restaurant. And so, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I went from a, uh, I don't know, pilot to entrepreneur to restaurateur now, and so we just launched a new restaurant here in the Pensacola Milton area called The Hangar, and uh, so we've been running that for about a month now. And uh, kind of a long story on how we got there, but yeah, we got there via real estate. So, so. and obviously named after your flying days. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And, and because we have lots of heavy military. Heavy military. Yeah, here. so that's good. That's good. Very cool. All right, you guys. Well, again, thank you all for being here uh, today. So, uh, Jennifer, let's get into really uh, how did you ever end up here, to be honest? <laughs> that is a really cool question, Keith. And I was fascinated by magic for all my life. And this is why I started at the age of four when a friend of my father showed me how to make your thumb disappear. So this was everything I could accomplish at this age. And then I really went down the way, like getting a magic kit, like most uh, of the people got once. And I really started learning and applying everything there. And it was really tough at the age of seven. And this is also the age where I had my first stage appearance. And then I became a member of the Magic Circle, that is Europe's biggest magic association, went to a lot of international conventions and seminars and really learned everything I could about it. And I also did like international magic shows. And then, of course, when you do this for so many years, you come to this point where you ask yourself, so what would you do if you had these magic powers for real? So what would it look like? So how could we change reality and maybe even our destiny? And how can this knowledge be applied to the business side? So this is where I really studied all the perception things, all the tricks and uh, everything you can do to improve yourself, like to do a great performance because everyone knows it's live entertainment. So you are on stage, you have to give 100% of your energy during a magic show and you have to know exactly what you are doing. So you have to be present. And you know, Keith, most people today are really masters of distraction. And normally magicians are the masters of distraction to give people a good time while they are watching a magic show. But you lose a lot of energy when you are so distracted. So I turn it around now and teach people how to really stay focused and how to use all the cool magic techniques to really perform at their best and even under high pressure because you know, when there's a magic show and there are 2,000 people waiting in the audience and you are about to go out, you know, everything is live and you only have one chance to do it. And sometimes magic is really dangerous on stage, so you can hurt yourself. You have to be present and fully awake. And this is what I teach people because, you know, it's like 
with a business meeting and when it's about to make really big decisions, you have to be present and you have to calm down before you do it. Okay. So how does this apply to, or how do you apply it to business? Like what specific, uh, if you can give away some of your secret sauce, but what specific techniques are you using that you would use in magic that you're applying to uh, a business decision or a business situation? Yeah, as I said, so there are several techniques you can practice before uh, what I normally do before I do a show like calming down. And this is uh, a mix of doing a meditation uh, visualization, like going through the whole show in my mind first so that I know exactly where I pick up what and when. And then it's also about um, NLP the neurolinguistic programming with uh, setting an anchor to really calm down and be in the moment. Very neat. So what kinds of clients do you usually have? Is this like, can you, can you use it across the board or do you stick to specific industries? <clears throat> yeah, it's normally really everything. And I was basically looking for something that I could do like worldwide because you can imagine with the magic, it's really standing in person on stage, like in time and location to uh, generate revenue. And I was looking to widen that and being able to work worldwide. And this is what I do now. So I work with uh, companies and also business owners and people that are about to get into entrepreneurship because we all know the famous term of the entrepreneurial roller coaster. So you have to be able to deal with like a kind of panic when you don't get a paycheck anymore and being a magician in the beginning is the toughest example of that because you have to be able mentally to stand it so you have to have a really strong mindset to go to get started and to stay on track and this is where i help people like solving the blockages seeing the bigger picture and doing a reverse engineering what you would do when you would make for example a car appear on stage in seconds so you would reverse engineer the whole process going from the end result back in single steps maybe even baby steps to accomplish this result in the end so um actually what i would do is if i'm going to have a car appear on stage in seconds is call you because i don't know how but um uh, when you go to uh acquire new clients and stuff and, and i'm curious do you how does that process look like? I mean, are you telling people, Hey, I'm going to do a magic show, but we're really going to apply it all to your business or, or like, how does, how does that conversation start? Yes. Good question. So the magic shows I still do, but they really go apart from my consulting role. So sometimes I bring this up just to break the ice and to do a pattern interrupt for people because this is what magic really can do. So magic in itself is able to disrupt the all day life and bring people back to this feeling where everything is possible and like feeling like a child again. So with this fantasy and playing with imagination, what JK Rowling, the author of Harry Potter said is our best superpower we all have when applied correctly. So when I start this, and normally it's more that people approach me with a certain problem or they get stuck with their business and it's like they hit a wall and they can't find a way. And this is exactly where the magic 
or magician's perspective kicks in because you know David Copperfield, for example, performed this effect like going through the Chinese wall, doing this illusion. And so magicians are kind of famous for finding new ways, new perspectives, because as I said in the beginning, everything we are dealing with is basically impossible, but we find a way to make it possible. So after doing magic for so many years, I just developed a completely different skill set of thinking and approaching problems to come up with solutions no one else would think of. And one part of it is basically to look in a completely different industry. So for some magic illusions I created for my magic stage show, I even looked into the field of NASA and what they are doing there and was looking for techniques to apply then in the magic business. And this is one way, but there are several ways. And basically it's really helping people when they are stuck to get moving again, getting into the flow, getting new energy, new motivation, and uh, seeing a different path they haven't seen before. So I want to know, what did NASA have for you? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. But uh, <laughs> you know, Keith, magic's about secrets. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> being a, a member of the magic circle, I promise that I keep the secrets because, yeah, this is the thing that keeps the art of astonishment alive. And uh, yeah, I really do that. I committed to that. And as I said, I was looking to find a way to yeah, empower people with my knowledge again through my uh, magic work, but without giving like the magic entertainment secrets like card tricks away. So that's it. And this is also why I created my own uh, podcast, Pure Mind Magic, because you know, everything starts in our mind. So with a thought, everything we are seeing right now started as a thought in someone's mind. So I would say that thoughts are really powerful in itself. And Napoleon Hill, the author of uh, Think and Grow Rich, says on the first page that thoughts become things. And this is really how it works. So in a magic show, you see the perfect example for that because the magician says that he will produce a coin and he can do this out of thin air and there's the coin. So we all can do that on another level. And it is interesting what you also can learn from a magician because dealing with magic and creating magic illusions is dealing with the invisible. So you have to be able to see something that is not yet visible. You have to imagine it, you have to see it, you have to build it, and you have to implement it. And this is something a lot of really successful visionaries today did before. So they were able to see a world before everyone else could see it, like the founder of Amazon. So he could see it before everyone else was able to see it. Now everyone can see it, but he was first. And I think this is a really interesting principle. You know, and I, until you said it, I didn't even think about it, uh, how much NLP really does play in that, in that world. Um, in, in as far as your Amazon, I don't think he saw this far, but he saw pretty far. But I don't think he had any idea that it was going to get where it is today. Um, that guy's done some incredible, incredible work. So um, I think you do a very interesting uh, uh, career. And, and I swear, you is there anybody else that's doing this kind of work that you're doing? 
I think you were right. So that this is really unique, the fields I'm uh, bringing there together and really helping people out with uh, this special approach. And, you know, there's also what you can learn from magic is like this persuasion. So getting people to do what you want. I don't mean it by manipulating people, but like influencing them in a positive way into the right direction. And just a week ago, I heard this on another podcast that when you start over and when you hit rock bottom, that this would be like the number one skill you have to have, like persuading people or like being able to sell yourself and influence other people to get what you want. And I think this is so true. And everyone knows that from magic with all the misdirection and people are always thinking after being in a magic show, how was it possible that the outcome exactly matched? Like when you have a forecast there and it's exactly 100%. So people are thinking, did the magician make me decide or how did it work? And I think this is something, yeah, we can all take something away from being able to sell ourselves in a, in a better and maybe more interesting way. And maybe to give a, a cool formula for your listeners away, most people think that it is about having things and dealing with things and moving like big boxes around you. But the magic formula, formula goes like this. Be do have meaning starting from the other end so first you have to be this interesting personality this fascinating personality like a magician is or this super successful entrepreneur or business owner or whatever and from this perspective you start acting like making decisions doing with this mindset being already there and then you will have the things you would like to have and most people are starting with doing so they are very busy and it's really easy to get busy but busy doesn't mean that you are doing the right things in the right in the right way very cool very cool well uh I, i'm absolutely amazed at the work you do and i'm interested to hear more um when i get off air i'm definitely going to go dig around your website a little bit uh, uh deeper but for those that may want to have uh, some more information or get in touch with you where can we send them to sure thanks for asking keith so you will find my uh, website that is jennifersroyal.com it is a brand new so coming up and in case you're interested to learn more how I can maybe help you and your business, you can contact me by email. That is the email of my podcast with the name Pure Mind Magic. So just send me an email to puremindmagic at gmail.com. That is puremindmagic at gmail.com. And I promise because I committed to this as well that every email gets personally answered by me. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you very much. Um, hang on a little bit and let's, uh, we'll hear about uh, Paul uh, and what he does. So, but thank you for being a guest with us today. So, Paul, I want to hear the journey of an engineer to a real estate uh, investor because that's all right. When I tell people that's a real thing, they're going to look at me and laugh. You know that, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I was. I was in high school and, 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 and Jennifer, you'll be interested in this. I actually, all through junior high and high school, I thought I wanted to be a parapsychologist, which is, you know, like somebody who investigates paranormal stuff, ESP, NLP type stuff. What's that? You were going to be a ghost hunter? 
I wanted to be a ghost hunter. That's right. And I mean, when the who movie came out, I'd already had that bubble, bubble burst because finally somebody in my life said, uh, where are you going to get that college degree? And I said, um, oh, I don't know. I'll find a place. And I was a junior in high school and I have so, I had so little direction and it's shocking to me now that how little, you know, I, I thought through it. And they said, well, why don't you go figure out what college offers that degree? And of course, within days, I realized no college did. In fact, Duke University reportedly had something. They had like one class on it, you know. And so anyway, I, I switched and just decided, well, it sounds like it would be fun to drill oil and gas wells. And so I found out you could become a petroleum engineer. And so on a whim, without any investigation, I went and decided to start down that road. And I'm glad I did it. The rigor of becoming an engineer was really helpful. And when I went to get an MBA later, it was actually much easier than, you know, calculus three and physics and all that. So uh, I'm glad for the rigor. I never really used the engineering degree too much because when I got to Ford Motor Company, I was using more of the stuff I had learned in my MBA. And like I said, the whole time at Ford, which was about five years, I was plotting and scheming every evening and weekend about what side business I could start. So I knew I was destined to become an entrepreneur way back then. And um, my, my partner and I started a company and I was actually fortunate enough to be finalist for Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year two years in a row. And I was only in my uh, early 30s. And so we got the attention of a publicly traded firm and they uh, acquired our company in 1997. And by 98, I was a 34-year-old who was thinking that I was semi-retired. And I can tell you for anybody who has their sights set on semi-retirement or retirement at an early age, uh, you might want to rethink that as well because if you're I got <laughs> bored to death. It was I was a high energy type A entrepreneur and trying to you know, move to, to a mountaintop in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia to be a great husband and father. It wasn't really happening because I was... Uh, I, I found myself really becoming the worst version of myself and made a lot of mistakes in early investments and things like that, that eventually got me into real estate investing. So when you, when you talk about mistakes, like what do you think led you down that road? Was it, was it impatience? Was it, was it just not, know, not knowing what you don't know or. Yeah. You know, I, I think one thing I did wrong, Keith was I, I confused uh, speculating and investing. You know, investing is when your principal is generally safe and you've got a chance to make a return. And speculation is when your principal is not at all safe and you've got a chance to make a return. And if I would have only known then what I know now about protecting your principal, about what true investing is, you know, I would have been able to grow my wealth rather than diminish <laughs> the money I got from the sale of my company. But I learned a lot of hard lessons, and that's one of the reasons I have a podcast called How to Lose Money. Yeah, there you go. So, okay, so for all of those that don't want to uh, be in those shoes, what are those things that you know now that you wish you had known then in that, in that realm? Well, I mean, one specific thing is if you look at the Forbes 400, uh, a lot of them perpetu gained or per now perpetuate their wealth through commercial real estate. And there's a reason for that. Uh, commercial real estate is one of the most predictable, stable, tax-efficient means of growing wealth and passing it along to the next generation. So uh, oil and gas actually has a better uh, tax 
reduction strategy for those involved in it, but it also carries very high risk relative to uh, the predictability of commercial real estate. So what I found was that investing in residential real estate is fine, but it's limited, the, the value of a residential house or a duplex is limited by the homes in the neighborhoods. You can fix it up and stage it as nice as you want, but it's only still gonna be limited by the nicest house on the street. Commercial real estate's quite a bit different. The, the value formula for commercial real estate is the net operating income divided by the cap rate. And the cap rate is the capitalization rate or the general rate of return for that type of asset in that market at that time. And if you can move the numerator, which is the income, and lower the denominator, which is, again, the cap rate, you can dramatically increase the value of the property in a predictable way. And using leverage or debt, you can move that needle much more for the value of the equity. So it's a great way to grow wealth. And um, I wouldn't do anything else. As soon as I learned about it and uh, you know, realized the, the formula and the safety of it and the predictability of it, I, I, there's no way I would do anything else. Well, and then don't you, you, real estate's one of those uh, investments where you reach a certain point and then it starts working for you. So instead of it just being assets that you're holding or property that you have, you then, if, you, if, you, if you've done it right, you're, you're making money with your money or with other people's money, which, you know, right. takes you into the, the millionaire mindset or the billionaire mindset, I would say. Right. Yeah, that's right. So that's exactly uh, right. And, and I don't think, I can't think of any other, too many other industries that do that other than maybe just plain old investments and stuff. Am I, am I correct? Yeah. You know, that, that's true. Um, Warren Buffett, uh, I, I talked to a friend this morning who said, who, who doesn't have a lot of money to invest, but he was telling me about this great stock. And he said, this stock is, you know, they, they've got, uh, they've got Apple and Google and Amazon as their clients and they're a tech company and they're uh, destined to, to really go up. And I said, yeah, maybe, but think about this. Everybody knows what you know. And therefore the value of that stock at $2 and 28 cents a share is exactly to the penny what it's supposed to be. It's already accounted for those Google and Amazon contracts. It's already accounted for the risk of being a tech stock. And, you know, I, I'm kind of with Warren Buffett on this. He said, you know, and now I'm, I'm overgeneralizing because he has invested in tech. But in general, he doesn't invest in tech startups because he said, look, I don't really know what I don't know about 10 years from now in the tech world. I do know that the Internet's never going to change the way people chew bubble gum. So I'm going to invest in gum more likely than stocks. And that's what Warren has done. You know, Paul Samuelson is the first Nobel Prize winner in economics from the U.S. And he said, investing should be like watching paint dry or watching grass grow. If you really want excitement, take $800 and go to Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah right. Or, or, a, or a, a bad story to tell your wife. <laughs> yeah right you know so um in in you know you keep you, when you talk about this stuff it of course it sounds boring to a lot of people but at yeah. the at the end of the day it's it's really social engineering which i find absolutely fascinating um but you, you've got to do your homework so you can't be any just you know tom dick or harry out there kind of making it happen i mean you really you you had to spend some time and, and i know you you said you've learned from 
some of your worst experiences, but what have been some of your best along the way that, that, you know, have helped accelerate where you are now? Well, you know, when I wrote my book on multifamily, the perfect investment, it's, you know, apartments, multifamily, there's tons of demographic data showing why it's going to be apartments are going to be great for the next 30, 40 years or longer. Uh, there's a lot of demographic data on why people are moving from home ownership to rentals. Uh, Jennifer, in your country, uh, I believe rentals make up uh, 56, 58 percent of the uh, the homes, um, lived in homes in Germany, uh, homes and apartments, I should say. In the U.S., it's uh, still about 47 percent, but it's growing. Uh, home ownership is on the decline. It has been ever since 95. Uh, when actually 05, at the end of the 1995 to 05 bubble, um, when uh, Congress got uh, got meddling with home ownership and uh, said that anybody that fogged a mirror should be able to buy a home. But in 05, that bubble burst and actually it all came crashing down in 08 in the U.S. as we know. But self-storage and mobile home parks are, by comparison, pretty boring. And, you know, you think of self-storage, you know, it's four, you know, metal, four uh, pieces of sheet metal and a piece of concrete. Well, how exciting can that be? And how much can you add value to buying a self-storage facility? Well, I was surprised that you really can. There's all kinds of ways to add value. And for the time's sake, I won't get into that, but it's the same with mobile home parks. You know, I most of the, your listeners probably don't live in mobile home parks. Some of them might not even know anybody in a mobile home park, but you know, what I think is let's let's live where we choose to and invest where it makes most sense. And if you look at the numbers, self-storage, mobile home parks, and apartments make a ton of sense. And so I've learned, I think, some learned the lessons of diversifying in those three asset classes. That is where um, I've made some great investments and I continue to want to pursue more of those. Well, it's a, it's a predictable business model that works, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Without too many variables, which is always good. Right. Very cool. Well, uh, it sounds like you have had a, uh, a very um, up and down and uh, adventurous uh, exploration of these industries, but very successful at the same time. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it, Keith. Uh, absolutely. So if anybody wants to find out any more information or get some of your books or get in touch with you, where can we send them to well, they can get my book on uh, Amazon. It's called The Perfect Investment. And uh, you can also visit me at my website, which is wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S capital.com. And that's where we have more information about our real estate investment funds. And you can get in touch with me directly. I want to know how you got the only book out there named The Perfect Investment. There actually were a few more were there? Okay. Um, other ones, but um, if you go on Amazon, I think ours is probably the top rated one right now. It's the perfect investment, create enduring wealth from the historic shift to multifamily housing. That's very the cool. Subtitle. Very cool. Well, very neat. So, so uh, Paul, stick around for a little bit. We're going to, we're going to hear about the hangar. Uh, actually, we're going to get you really hungry before lunch is what's going to happen. All so, right. So uh, please, by all means, th- you, you got a piece of my heart because uh, I'm a retired chef, so I, I know where your world is right now. So for those of you that aren't in the studio with us or, or, or listening, he's checked his watch probably 30 times because it's almost lunch. It's Tuesday, so it's probably truck day, right? So so, so the food guys are out there waiting for him. But I've uh, I've sat here and watched you kind of 
getting and seeing and realized that I, I so miss some parts of that world and some parts I do not. So by all means, uh, tell us about the hangar. Yeah. So, um, thanks again for having me on. So the hangar is a restaurant in Avalon, uh, up in Milton, three, nine, six, six Avalon Boulevard. We've been open since January 5th. Um, so it's aviation theme via the, you yeah. know, through the, um, the name of the hangar, right? So I'm a pilot, you know, it's, it was a long story to get to where we are right now, but I was a pilot and I bought a restaurant for a real estate investment, realized now I, now I own a restaurant and now I have to run a restaurant. Um, moved my mother and stepdad down here. Uh, they <laughs> put, them put them to work. <laughs> um, they're the co-owners with me, with me. They left, uh, a full-time, both of them left full-time jobs as manager of Olive Garden and Cracker Barrel, uh, respectively. And so they get, they made a big sacrifice. We kind of put all our chips down yeah. on that and uh, made a run for it. So we actually purchased the property um, about a year ago and bought an existing, uh, long-established existing seafood restaurant um, that had been in the community for about 30 years, um, but kind of uh, had waned over the last few years. So we bought it with the idea and thought that we could just resurrect it effectively. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that didn't work. Um, so that was a big mistake on my part. There's a failure. reason it failed, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we, you know, we tried to kind of effectively fix other people's mm-hmm. history and, and felt, and, and that didn't work. So, you know, Jennifer talked about sales or perspective, which is sales. And, and, uh, you know, Paul talked about, um, you know, the stability of commercial real estate and how great that is. And, and I do know that. And for some reason, you know, I chose to jump into the exact opposite <laughs> right. of commercial real estate, which is a business that is a hundred percent time consuming. There's no off days. There's no yeah. bad days. You can have no mistakes. You can have no errors, particularly in this, um, you know, yeah, you took the physical thing. challenge. That's for sure. Yeah. So, um, but, but really, uh, I had this vision of, all right, most people, it's pretty hard to not like an airplane. You yeah, know, aviation yeah. is just generally fun and cool. Yeah. Uh, particularly, you know, the World War II era of fighters and, and the military side of it. Obviously, we live in a highly, um, highly dense military populated area of either retired, yeah. active duty students, all flight training, flight training, et yeah. cetera. And so I wanted a place that had, you know, great food, good amount of quantity mm-hmm. on each plate. And then it was fun that, you know, someone could sit down, look around, and it would take them 15 or 20 minutes before they finally like, okay, I've seen everything on the wall that I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. So as they search and look through the walls and see what's up there, they'll find new interesting things. You know, right here on your desk, you have a little bobblehead of uh, Trader John, mm-hmm. which, you know, that was that was a bar here in Pensacola. Yeah, very iconic. Very iconic. And, and we've actually been able to track down a lot of the stuff that was in that same place. Yeah. And I know where the rest of it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, Good. so we, we can talk when we're done. Yes, yeah. I, yeah. Need to, I need to get that on the wall. So, um, so you know, I'm not there on on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I'm more of on the uh, ownership management side and, and the rest of the family is there, you know, working more or less 24-7 most mm-hmm. of the time. So it's on there. It feels that way, doesn't it, yeah. sometimes? Yeah, and so... Um, what kind so of food yeah. are you guys serving? So it's, it's called the American grill. And yeah. so, um, here locally, our chef is, our executive chef is Mark Apple from the Apple market. Yeah. Very and cool. So he came to work with us back in November. He designed the menu throughout there. Um, a lot of great burgers, great steaks. We have three pasta dishes, uh, still a couple of seafood dishes. Um, we have a uh, sandwich called the brisket sandwich, sliced, uh, beef brisket, mm-hmm. smoked, covered in caramelized onions, barbecue sauce, ciabatta bread. 
it's it's really good. Yeah, it, I can uh, tell you that's that's yeah, the one you like the most, isn't it? Yeah, I'm hungry <laughs> right now. Um, we got a barbecue burger, or sorry, not a barbecue, uh, a Hawaiian burger, mm-hmm. which is I like to take credit for it. Somewhat of my idea. So, burger, bacon, cheese, yeah, topped off with pineapple. There you go. So pretty pretty tasty. As long as you don't put it on the pizza, man, we're yeah, cool. No, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, are you finding this to be like a creative playground for you? Yeah, it is. Um, to be honest with you, you know, six months ago, I hated the place. I hated yeah. the restaurant. And, uh, yeah, you'll have days like that. <laughs> yeah, and there's still still some periodic days there. But, um, you know, I wanted to get rid of it, and and just things didn't work out for that. So, yeah. we, you know, like I, like I said, we literally put just about every last dollar we've had into it into launching this new concept. And now, you know, immediately our, our sales have quadrupled. Um, we're getting a great positive feedback from the community. People are leaving um, some really good reviews for us. And, and it's been consistent since day one of consistently full and busy. So mm-hmm. uh, it's because you're having fun. It's, yeah. It's, it's something that we love. It's the food that we wanted to serve yeah. and it's um, our vision, you know, again, going back to Jennifer when she was talking about, you know, setting, setting the perspective and setting the vision, you know, even in real estate is it's still sales. Everything yeah. ultimately comes back to sales yeah. and, and mindset, whether you're selling yourself, you're selling an investor, you're selling the guy who's selling you the property or you're selling a cheeseburger, mm-hmm. right? Still, still always sales. So very intrigued to be on with these other two guests. I'm, yeah, I'm very looking cool. forward to kind of hearing. So, so, I, so do you guys cater? We do. Okay. So we do catering. We, both, um, you know, event style, mm-hmm. like we'll set up, serve, et cetera. Or yeah, cause you got a, you got a pretty big building, right? It's so you've bit, got yeah. room to have like a, a larger parties. It's a, it's a massive building for a restaurant wise. We can seat a little bit over 200 guests yeah. in a restaurant. And then we have one specific banquet room that we can section off from the rest of the restaurant that in itself will hold 90. Um, we have a big kitchen, so we do both drop catering, whether you just want to, you know, like, um, Lunch uh, for the office, for or the office yeah. yeah, et cetera. Uh, you know, company 20, picnic people. or whatever. Yep. Or we can do, you know, full blown weddings and, and yeah, have fun with those. You go. Yeah. <laughs> Let me be in charge of the, of the woman's most important day in her life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. a fun one. So, um, no pressure. Uh, are you guys Monday through Sunday? We are open every day except for Wednesday. So we're open for Wednesday. Four. Really? Yeah. Right on. So, that's cool. So Wednesday, um, we, why Wednesday? Well, most other places that are closed one day a week, I think are closed on Monday. So yeah. we wanted to be the, the one option that was open there. Um, that was smart. Yeah, that was really smart. So we're open 11 to nine. Um, and then Wednesday we, we chose kind of the midweek, uh, part for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm a big spiritual person, so mm-hmm. our staff can't really go to church on Sunday. So a lot of most sailors mm-hmm. gives us the ability to go to church on Wednesday, if, yeah. they, if they so choose, and then yeah, so everyone yeah. else will no, I, I think that was smart. It's really cool. Uh, there was there have been weeks that I would love to have had the middle of the week off, yeah. you know, for a day to catch your breath. So, um, what about do you guys deliver? We do. Uh, yes. We well, right now we're doing takeout, and then we're working on uh, some stuff with some of the city free okay. type apps. Yeah, very cool. We haven't quite got that handled yet. Yeah, take your time. Yeah, you, you got time. So I'm glad that you guys have, uh, when I drove by yesterday, uh, you guys were packed. I mean, the parking lot was yeah. packed and I thought, man, if I only had time, I'd, I'd totally stop and eat. Yeah. So, um, now that we've met and you've hung out, I'm going to have to stop next you, time. You have so, to. Yep. Uh, but I, congratulations on success and, sure. and it's good because you're right. The people that were there before, I mean, they had it for a long time. They had a good run, right. but when you, when you watch a, a, a really cool establishment kind of you know, dwindle off and the rest, it's just, it's kind of sad. So to watch that building come back to life and to watch you guys, yeah. uh, make something of it's been really neat. So yeah, we had to make some pretty massive, massive changes, you know, 
Yeah. It won't be your last. <laughs> no, no, but we, we literally have a helicopter sitting out front. Yeah. Now. So we had to, we had to visually change the place as quick and as dramatically as possible. Mm-hmm. So we shut down the old restaurant on January 1st, January morning. Yeah. So New Year's day from that day until January 5th, um, you know, everyone I could find was there working f- yeah. physically. And so, so in five there. days you changed the whole facade, huh? The whole thing. That's crazy. Yep. And, um, is that what you used to fly with helicopters? I've, I'm an Osprey pilot. So, okay. Which yes, the answer yeah. is yes. Yeah. I've flown, uh, helicopters, airplanes, Ospreys, uh, just about everything. And, and I'm still an instructor up at Whiting. Yeah. So, so you get to, you get the kind of the best of both worlds. I do. You, you get a break every once in a while. How much of your pilot training, uh, is applied to your business? Quite a bit, actually, you know, in, in that it's, uh, systems and practice, yeah. you know, most of pilot training is about repeating the same thing over and over yeah, and over. With your eyes closed. <laughs> with your eyes closed, yeah. So preferably, you know, we, we, we tell the students to open your eyes during landing. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a good yeah. technique. But no, um, you got to repeat the basics over and over and over until it becomes part of your instinct almost. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm trying to instill that into, you know, the servers and the cooks yeah. and having a system, having a checklist. A recipe. Even, yeah, even, a yeah. recipe. You know, even though the chef knows how to make it perfectly, now we have to get that published and, and outlined mm-hmm. so that the new guy can walk in and two, two days later be yeah. able to cook the same thing perfectly. So, and I know you're familiar probably with Sigma 6, but it was one of the mm-hmm. one of the things that, that just baffled me when I started doing it for myself and for when I owned a restaurant, which was you can write a recipe, but it is never read the same way. Even though it's the same words, it's never interpreted yeah. the same way. Yeah. Uh, across the board. And so, so many times I wasn't adjusting the ingredients. I was adjusting the method of production or how it was written so that it was further explained so that you really knew exactly what to do. Now we just do video for everything, which is cool. So just watch the video and you learn how to make it. But that's a great idea. It, I, had, it, I hadn't thought about just creating see, a little See, videos. I got it. I got, I, like I got that. idea. Talk to me when we're done. We'll yeah. figure this out. Um, but, uh, uh, it's repetition and that's what it was over and over and over. It was, a. Uh, uh, in culinary school, it was the, the what's called mise en place, right? Which was a place for everything and everything in its place. So yep. you knew that skillet was two feet away from you. You knew it was going to be there every time, and that's where it was. And so I didn't even have to look. And you got into that that rhythm and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you want, you step back, and your kitchen will hit all the cylinders. And you're like, hey, this could yeah. actually work. <laughs> yeah, and we're not there yet. Yeah, you'll get there. We're fine. We're going. You know, um, it's funny you said that. I I had to make a make a checklist, mm-hmm. make a how to on rolling silverware, mm-hmm. you know, putting a fork yeah. in a spoon in a, pe- in a piece of napkin and yeah. rolling it up together. And, and the staff, yeah, how to like, cut a lemon, try that one. Yeah, that one's like, good. <laughs> come on guys. You know, yeah. So I got some, you know, some pushback from the staff. Like, do you think we're dumb? I'm like, no, I, but yeah. uh, we need to do it right. Yeah. So, well, and I, I think one of the biggest examples I always use is McDonald's doesn't sell a million, million hamburgers. They sell one hamburger a million times, right? Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's probably one of the best ones I've ever heard in my entire life, but yep. it, you can use it over and over. Do you guys have a website? Yes, we do. So, uh, it's uh, eatatthehanger.com. And awesome. then on Facebook, uh, forgive me here, let me actually pull it up, make sure I get it right. So, our phone number is 850-564-6223, and that's the best way to contact us for reservations and catering. Cool. And then uh, Facebook's uh, at, uh, sorry, I should know this, Pastor. Probably at, uh, I think it's at the hangar, isn't it? Yeah, at the um, at the hangar American Grill. So, Very Facebook cool. at the hangar American Grill. Awesome. And so, you guys are open today, yeah? No, today's yep. Wednesday. Yeah, today's Wednesday. So, you're that's off. That's why I'm here. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That works. Uh, but you'll be back open tomorrow at what, 10 or 11? 11 o'clock. 11? 11 o'clock. Very cool. 
And if I may, one thing that I did want to talk about, you know, part of our vision here is that we wanted to make sure that we could give back to the community over time. And so um, we have partnered with the Wingman Foundation, which specifically helps the generally widows and orphans of men and women who have died in aviation-related accidents. Um, good, some friends of mine have started that about 10 years ago. And so we have some specific menu items on there that every time we sell one of those, we donate a dollar. And then so at the end of every month, we, we get the ability to kind of, I got a big, you know, happy Gilmore yeah. check. Yeah. And uh, I get to write that and send them a check. And so our mission is um, to support that. You know, James 127 says true religion is supporting the widows and orphans. Yeah. And uh, so we are striving to do that, you know, even the first month with a restaurant, very, we, we've been blessed to have profitability in the first yeah. month of opening it. So, you know, being able to write, write donation and charity checks right off the bat has been, yeah, it's, it's really, rewarding, isn't it? It is. Very cool. Well, man, keep up the hard work. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to come by and eat lunch. And, and thanks for coming and joining me. I'm glad you had a day off in the middle yeah, of the week. Yeah. It's very cool. So well, We're going to work after this. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right on, right on. Okay. So, uh, all right. Everybody stick around real quick. Let me get us out of here. Um, guys, you can find us at P. Cola Radio X on Twitter. You can find us at P. Cola BRX on Facebook. Or you can find us on our website at businessradiox.com or at businessradiox.live. And this has been Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work matters. Mm-hmm. Thank you.